Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back, fellow optimists. It's Sofia Tapia here, your host on the Future Positive Podcast, a podcast from XPRIZE that aims to bring you the most future-forward topics from the world's brightest minds. If you're new to Future Positive, in each episode, you'll hear from world leaders, creators, entrepreneurs, innovators, and changemakers who are paving the way for innovation on and off this planet we call home. Converting carbon into fuel is the next exciting frontier in the ever-changing energy landscape. For this week's Future Positive podcast, we get the scoop on the future of fuel with two finalists of the Energy Cosia Carbon X Prize, who are now successfully turning carbon into fuels. First, journalist Amelia Abraham interviews Brooklyn-based Staff Sheehan, the CTO of Air Company. Then she catches up with Jason Salfi, co-founder and CEO of Dimensional Energy based in Ithaca, New York. So to start with, please can you introduce yourself? Yep, I'm Stafford Sheehan, and I'm the Chief Technology Officer of Air Company. Amazing. And a little bit about your company, maybe, um, for listeners who might be unfamiliar. Yeah, absolutely. So Air Company um, was launched in 2019. We uh, transform carbon dioxide into high-purity alcohols for consumer goods. Uh, The way we do that is we combine the carbon dioxide with water and renewable electricity. Um, And the only byproduct of our process is oxygen. So you could think of us like a a tree, except much faster and much more efficient so that we can remove carbon dioxide at the same rate that we're emitting it into the atmosphere. Amazing. Yeah, I remember when I first found out that you guys make vodka from CO2, (laughs) I had no idea that that was even a thing. Um, So a couple of questions about the technology for people like me who don't necessarily, you made it sound very simple, but (laughs) don't necessarily know much about it. How long has this type of technology been around? So this type of technology, and I would say all the sorts of technology you see in the CO2 conversion space have been known for almost a century, um, even even longer in in many cases. Um, The challenge has been doing the research and developing the technology to make them economic, to make them uh, efficient, economic, uh, and work effectively. So, you know, one of the big innovations that we bring to the table is we transform carbon dioxide into ultra-purity uh, alcohols, including ethanol that we use to make our, our vodka, which is the product that we're most known for. And how efficient is it? I mean, is this a costly process? Well, you know, we use renewable electricity, so it's our biggest cost is the cost of renewable electricity. Um, so I would say that uh, 
all processes that transform carbon dioxide into consumer goods or into products currently are more costly than their fossil fuel equivalents. Um, but that's just because fossil fuels are so cheap uh, and they're easily accessible. Yeah, but obviously fossil fuels pollute our planet. So um, our, our process is more costly than the corresponding fossil fuel-based process. Uh, but we, you know, we believe that the sustainability of our process makes the long, long-term cost actually lower. Definitely, for sure, especially the cost on the climate is much lower. But is, is one of the challenges trying to bring that cost down over time? Yeah, so our, our biggest challenge really is scaling our technology in a way that keeps the cost low. Um, and, and that's something that I work on every day. Uh, that's something that I have an entire team working on every day. Um, that's, uh, and that's, what we, that's really what we do um, you know, as, as a business. Right, and you've just alluded to, um, you know, re how renewables are preferable over fossil burning fossil fuels, and one of the outcomes of your CO two conversion is to creating fuel. Is that right? Yes. Uh, so, I mean, when you make alcohols from carbon dioxide, like methanol and ethanol, uh, there are, like, I would say, call them chemical applications. I include consumer ethanol in that kind of chemical application bucket. And then there's fuel applications. Methanol and ethanol both can be either used as a drop-in fuel for, um, for combustion engines uh, or for fuel cells, uh, or um, they can be blended with gasoline. And that's why whenever you go to gas up your car, at least in the US, when you go to gas up your car, there's a little sticker on the gasoline, uh, you know, on the gasoline pump that says 10% ethanol by volume. Interesting. Okay. And so you've been working on this for how long? So I've been uh, working on this technology for a little over a decade now. Um, I did my PhD in artificial photosynthesis, uh, and then I started this business. Um, you know, my co-founder and I met in 2017. Um, we had been working on the business in stealth mode for a little while, uh, and then we officially launched it in 2019. So um, we've been working on the business, uh, I would say, for almost five years. Um, uh, but uh, really have been, the business been, has been really growing and scaling for the last two since we, uh, since we formally launched. Cool. And how long has the fuel component of your work been a part of that? Or how long have you been thinking about the applications in, in terms of fuel? Really since the beginning. Um, so we actually, uh, initially I was making uh, alcohols like methanol and ethanol from CO2 doing research on that for fuel. Um, the vodka actually came as, as, as almost a surprise. I've heard that you are working with NASA in terms of developing rocket fuel. I wondered if you could tell me a bit more about that and how it came about. Yeah, we, we actually, so we started working with NASA um, as part of their CO2 conversion challenge, uh, part of their centennial challenges. We applied for it and we were fortunate enough to win uh, phase one. Um, so we, we began working with NASA for that, um, and uh, we've, uh, you know, we've been working on expanding our, our aerospace division of our company um, for other applications, including things like rocket fuel. Um, and one of the reasons for that is because we have this carbon dioxide conversion technology, and we want to look at all of the high-value applications we can, we can use for it, because it's, it's really challenging for us to compete. Uh, you know, with uh, especially without any sort of, you know, um, 
in, environmental incentive in the marketplace, um, it's very challenging for us to compete with things like natural gas or gasoline that's made from low cost fossil fuels. Uh, but one place where we can compete much more effectively is in outer space where there is carbon dioxide and water, but there are no fossil fuels. So um, we looked into applications uh, in on space stations and on Mars, and that's something that we're continuing to uh, to work on. And in most of those cases, we are looking at actually making making fuel. Um, so I don't think um, you know uh, uh, vodka is as high a priority on Mars as returning to Earth is. Well, I don't know how much else there is to do except drink vodka on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we can we can we can take care of both needs yeah i suppose i suppose you can um that was my next question can we turn the co2 on mars into fuel i mean do you have any more kind of insight into what how that would work or, or what that would look like yeah absolutely uh so on mars there is water uh dissolved in the regolith there um, and 95% of the Martian atmosphere is carbon dioxide. So there's actually plenty of the feedstocks that, that are required. Um, there's no, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's no shortage of, of either of those. Uh, it's just a matter of collecting them uh, and then converting, uh, converting the water and carbon dioxide into, um, you know, for rocket fuel, we focus on cryogenic liquid methane, um, which is the, the, the favored fuel for reusable rockets. So we we are that for this application we can you know we can do research on Earth that would help to understand what it takes to get a system like that to Mars because I think realistically if if we're ever going to have a human mission if we're going to send people to Mars um, the fuel to come home is probably going to have to be made in situ on Mars so uh, you know the idea is to send something like this over to Mars ahead of a human mission. Uh, that can then make fuel, and then when the hum when when we get there, we can use that. We'll already have the gas station set up, and we can use that to to fly back. Amazing! That makes perfect sense. Well, yeah, it's. It, I think it's a. Um, it, it's something that you know NASA has been thinking about for several decades. Um, you know, and it it falls under the umbrella of in situ resource utilization. And how far away do you think that sort of technology is? So I would say that we're very close to being able to demonstrate it on Earth. Um, in order to make things flight ready, it does take, a, there is a little bit more of a time investment. Um, so I would say we're about three to four years uh, from being able to, you know, from being able to deploy something that's, that's flight ready. And then of course, there's the, the level of priority uh, for for this sort of thing, um, you know, from an aerospace perspective, because we we ourselves don't make rockets, we do carbon dioxide conversion. Um, so it's going to be it's going to depend on what the priority is from that industry as well uh, as to how quick they they want to deploy things like this. Uh, right, and that's how long it would take to take this technology to Mars. We're thinking, well, how how long the technology would be theoretically ready to go um, in terms of actually converting the CO2 there. Uh, what about how long it would take to use CO2 fuel to send the rocket to Mars? Well, that's something that we could build today. 
Um, you know, I think that that's something that is, uh, you know, we've researched pretty well on a laboratory scale. Um, and that's something that that's readily, you know, readily able to be built today. Um, you know, again, the it's, it's a matter of cost. Um, is it, it's a matter of cost and priority for the aerospace industry, because for the aerospace industry, um, of course, a lot whenever they're whenever they're using cryogenic liquid methane, they're getting that from natural gas. So it's a question for them as to whether or not they want to be sustainable. And then secondly, um, you know, it's also a, a, a matter of the maturity of liquid methane driven engines. So the 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 rockets that use liquid methane and liquid oxygen as propellants um, are still in, I would say, they're in very late stages of development. Um, we've used them for sure before, uh, but um, they're not very widely adopted yet. Um, but I think that that's changing and the adoption of methane fueled uh, or rockets that use a methane propellant is, is gradually becoming more and more widespread. Great. And in terms of transport more broadly, beyond just rockets, which not all of us have the privilege of traveling in, uh, how long do you think it will be before more transport, or even will there ever be a time when all transport is fueled by converted CO2? Yeah, so I think that, I think that there will be. Um, well, I, I think it's, it's gonna be a combination of renewable electricity, because you need to get your energy from somewhere, right? Transport is kinetic energy. And in order to, to do that, you need to, you need to have an energy source in the first place. So, um, you know, that would be renewable uh, energy. Um, now for light vehicles, it's actually more, I think it's actually more efficient for, um, it's, it's more efficient for things like batteries. Uh, so, you know, uh, it, it makes a lot more sense because you don't need a lot to move a very lightweight vehicle. You don't need a lot of energy density. Energy density is how many kilograms of weight you require for your material that, that carries, carries your energy. So batteries uh, have very poor energy density. You need a lot of weight in a battery to be able to store a relatively small amount of energy. Uh, but liquid fuels, like what we make, have and fuels derived from carbon dioxide, uh, have very high energy density. So if you're trying to move something that's heavy, you really need to use liquid fuels. Like, for example, if you're trying to fly an airplane. Uh, but if you're trying to move something that's very light, like a scooter, for example, you're probably better off using a battery. Um, and it, re it really all comes down to that whole energy density argument. Um, it makes almost no sense to fly an airplane off of a, a, a poor energy dense battery, um, just as much as it makes little sense to run a scooter off of, uh, you know, off of a combustion engine with a CO2 derived fuel. Um, but that that's actually great news for us because that means we're going to have a variety of different solutions that together will help to fight climate change. There is no one silver bullet that's going to solve the problem. Uh, CO2 derived fuels can solve the problem for transportation that requires a high energy density and batteries can solve the problem for transportation that requires low energy density. Amazing. Thank you. Obviously we're excited about the future of transport that can be fueled by carbon dioxide. I wanted to know what else in the realm of carbon tech is getting you excited at the moment, or whether you guys at Air Company have any new products coming out. 
Yeah, absolutely, we do. Um, so we are we we will later this year and in the next year have have several new products coming out. So stay tuned. Um, and all utilizing our uh, CO two to alcohols technology. Um, so that's that's one really exciting piece. Um, and then a second really exciting piece. Um, you know, I think overall it's just the momentum that the field has. Um, and really, I think the most important thing about that is getting buy-in from the general public. Um, right now, there are a lot of really hot topics, um, you know, out there in, in, in the business world and in the public eye. Um, I would say that a lot of those topics um, are not things that are critical to the survival of the human race long-term, however fighting climate change is, um, because that is actually an existential threat. Um, and carbon tech as a, as a way of fighting climate change, as a way of changing product, you know, changing our way of life from products that emit carbon dioxide to products that enable circular carbon dioxide, such as carbon dioxide to fuels, um, it is something that really needs to take more of a forefront in, in people's minds. I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of other stuff out there, um, that have been, especially, you know, with the pandemic and everything like that, that have been occupying, uh, people's headspace, um, you know, pretty heavily. And a lot of, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the world's almost forgotten about climate change. Um, which is not good because, uh, you know, just like the pandemic, uh, you know, I would say here in America, we, we spent too much time ignoring it until it became a real problem. Uh, so we kind of let the pot boil over a little bit. We didn't take countermeasures early on in the pandemic that would have minimized its impact like many other countries like New Zealand and Australia did. Um, and drawing a parallel to climate change, which has the potential to be even worse on a, on a global scale. Um, drawing the, the, you know, the comparison to climate change, um, we're, we're making the same mistake twice, where we're just letting the problem uh, ruminate and increase without actually taking countermeasures to try to tackle it. So um, that's something that, uh, you know, I hope, my hope for the future is that there'll be drastically increased awareness um, for carbon tech and for, and for climate change. Um, because that's really what we need. Uh, so all of this means we need better technology and we need increased public support uh, and private support of technologies that help to fight climate change. Um, I think there have been a lot of a lot of people that have been doing um, you know doing a good job to help to increase public awareness. Uh, but unlike COVID, climate change is something that's going to be more of a silent killer. Um, whereas COVID is more of an acute problem. You know, people experience that really personally. Uh, climate change is something that we're not going to experience very personally for quite some time, but we have to address it now uh, because it's a, it's, a, it's a gradually growing problem. And I would say on a positive note, the technology development toward addressing climate change has accelerated in the last 10 years, like incredibly. Um, and these technologies that are, you know, both the technology that we use and the technologies that others are using um, need the support uh, from people like you to help to bring them to a reality. Um, 
to help to help them to overcome the the I would say more polluting uh, approaches such as fossil fuel driven ones. Um, and that sort of support is really um, that sort of support is really necessary. And I think that uh, as a field, Carbon Tech has taken that momentum and moved forward with it really excellently. Great, amazing. Thank you so, so much. That was Staff Sheehan. Now, Amelia catches up with Jason Selfie, co-founder and CEO of Dimensional Energy. Hi, Jason. Hey, Amelia. Nice to be speaking to you today. I wondered, please, could you just introduce yourself for our listeners to start off with? Sure thing. Uh, my name is Jason Selfie, co-founder and CEO of Dimensional Energy. And please, could you tell us a little bit about what Dimensional Energy do? Sure thing. Um, so Dimensional Energy is, uh, we're scaling a platform that uses concentrated solar to convert carbon dioxide to sustainable aviation fuel. Amazing. Okay. And how long has this technology been around for and how long has the company been around for? So we started the company in uh, 2016 and um, the idea for, for founding the company actually came out of uh, two labs at Cornell University run by Tobias Hanrath and David Erickson. Um, and we, uh, we got funding through the National Science Foundation and uh, joined the Carbon X Prize in pursuit of uh, scaling a, uh, a gigaton type solution to climate change. Incredible. And so for someone like me, who's not very good with science, uh, what's the best explanation? What's the best explanation of the technology? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure thing. So, um, so basically what we do is we have a, con we have a concentrated solar input. So we concentrate sunlight um, to run our reactor. And what we do is we, we take carbon dioxide and simply cleave off an oxygen atom uh, to form carbon monoxide, which is a highly reactive form of, of carbon, and combine it with, with hydrogen to make syngas. So that syngas in the right proportion uh, can be then uh, pressurized, heated, and catalyzed and turned into uh, liquid fuels. So where is the tech at, at the moment um, in terms of the rollout and scale? Um, yeah, are you testing it? What's the, what's the current update? Yeah, so we um, so after Carbon X Prize pilot, which we scaled up to about a ten ton per year syngas uh, pilot system, um, we're scaling up to a small four barrel per day unit um, and uh, test integrating the whole platform. So we have this uh, you know solar energy CO two utilization uh, platform where you know our vision is that the whole of all the components is greater than the sum of its parts. So integrating all the different components uh, for the first time is where we're at right now. And we're simultaneously designing a 50 barrel per day uh, commercial scale demonstration uh, that'll be um, deployed, commissioned in the next two years. And um, so we're trying to scale pretty rapidly. Um, there's, a, there's a massive demand for sustainable aviation fuel and it's imperative that we come up with uh, pathways to defossilize that hydrocarbon supply chain. Well, I wanted to ask you, in the broader sense, what's not working when it comes to fuel and why is your product therefore important? 
So, so right now, um, you know, hydrocarbon fuels account for uh, a tremendous amount of uh, carbon dioxide um, emissions uh, on the planet. So, so in the aviation industry, for example, you have over a billion tons of carbon dioxide emitted uh, per year. So what could work with our fuel is that if, if we're able to, to, um, to sell the fuel directly at 100% non-blended, um, we could have a carbon neutral fuel. So, um, so we take carbon dioxide and, and turn that into a fuel and put it into a sort of industrial uh, carbon cycle. So whereas you may combust fuel in the, in the air, um, down on land, we absorb that CO2 and then close the loop on that cycle and turn it back into fuels, as opposed to extracting more fossil, fossil carbon from the earth and, and putting that up into the atmosphere linearly. Okay, amazing. And that makes a lot of sense. Um, what, would the, what would the impact therefore be on the average traveler's carbon footprint? How could it change the way that we travel as individuals? Yeah, so our, our vision is to make sustainable aviation fuel that can support carbon neutral air travel. Um, so if we can certify our fuel for 100% non-blended use, it could mean that air travel could become carbon neutral. Um, as you know, like I said, as, as the, plane, the planes combust, the fuel will reverse that combustion on land. And because we integrate with 100% renewables on site, we close the loop on that carbon cycle for aviation. Um, what that could mean for your, for your traveler is that if all other systems are, are well maintained for, for carbon circularity um, and energy is, you know, renewable energy is used for everything else that goes into um, travel, um, your, your, you know, your travel around the world could be carbon neutral and less harmful. And then all we need to do is, you know, maintain other, other forms of stewardship to make sure that we're, we're practicing good hygiene when it comes to materials and, and uh, you know, different things we, we also do. Well, amazing. What are some of the challenges to get us there? What do you see as the kind of biggest hurdles? Because everything you've described sounds like exactly where we need to be. So, yeah, so, um, you know, extraction of fossil carbon has been going on for, you know, well over 100 years at this point. And, um, and so what we're doing is right now we're creating a whole new uh, supply chain for hydrocarbon fuels. And so carbon dioxide is um, has always been regarded as a waste stream because it's a low energy molecule that isn't easily used. You need to apply a lot of energy uh, to use it. So, um, so it's costly. It's costly to procure and, and purify and get prepared for utilization. Um, so um, if we use carbon dioxide as a feedstock, we need to drive costs down. And there's a, a tremendous amount of effort going into that right now. Great companies, are rising to the occasion. A lot of investment dollars are flowing in for uh, point source carbon capture, next generation. Um, there's a lot of funds coming towards uh, direct air capture, um, which is a little further away from hitting cost uh, cost prices that we that we could use. Um, but um, but it's scaling fast. Um, and then also um, hydrogen production. So green hydrogen is imperative to the the, the integration of carbon dioxide into uh, fuels and chemicals and products. Um, we need to have green hydrogen production as well. Okay, and how long do you think that it'll take to sort of overcome some of these challenges? I mean, when do you think that we might achieve the, the, the world of aviation that you sort of painted a picture of? 
Um, well, yeah, you know, sustainable aviation fuels are available today, which is great. Um, there's there are companies that um, have biological processes that are that are starting to bring their costs down. Um, still above fossil carbon sourced uh, um, hydrocarbon fuels, but but coming down in price. Um, our platform will be ready for commercialization, we believe in 2024, 2025. So we're, we're coming on strong, um, trying to get it done as fast as we possibly can. Um, and um, our, our process is a, it's a modular platform. So um, once we've mastered it once or twice, we can just kind of replicate that, that whole system and, uh, and then scale accordingly, integrate work with other energy majors to do green syngas production and uh and then um transform that that syngas into liquid fuels at scale amazing well i look forward to seeing how that goes one question uh to leave you with is what carbon technology is getting you excited at the moment beyond everything that dimensional energy are doing well um so i'm i'm you know i came to this from a from an impact perspective um you know there's a lot of money to be made in in carbon tech and carbon utilization it's a it's a growing field. Um, it's looked at as a uh, potential uh, technology that could help you know, mitigate uh, CO2 beyond what renewables and efficiency can do. Um, so the things that get me most excited about carbon utilization are the ones that can meet gigaton reduction potentials. You know, so those would be you know, downhill reactions such as what's happening in building materials. Um, and also you know, carbon dioxide, uh, just, it just utilization takes a, a lot of energy. So, so technologies to get me excited that are going to make fuels, chemicals, products, et cetera, are the ones that can go to market without competing for precious renewable energy assets today. Um, so to put that into perspective, to make carbon dioxide actually carbon neutral, we need to use renewable energy. And if we you know, look at what needs to happen to make the world's energy system net zero emissions we need to commission over 100 gigawatts per year for the next 20 years that's literally replicating the energy system we have several times over in the next 20 years um, and that doesn't include using co2 so um, so that's why we're focused on bringing our own renewable energy system integrated so that we can transform uh, precious sunlight energy into liquid fuels at a really high uh, conversion rate and do it cost effectively and not rely and um, and uh, uh, be, be uh, not rely on the grid but be be complementary to to grid energy and I guess maybe I, I think I might add the other thing that that has me excited about carbon tech is actually the the, the regulatory regimes that are starting to come into play um, you know governments all over the world right now are starting to recognize that carbon uh, utilization is is something imperative to help mitigate climate change. And so um, if these regulatory regimes include, um, you know, the, the startup companies that are trying to bring technologies forward, um, it'll really help accelerate technology maturation uh, and bring a lot more capital to the space. So I would say, um, you know, looking at this CO2 utilization as, a, as an integrated uh, problem to be solved by government, uh, private industry, large corporations, and uh and and ultimately end customers great thank you so much jason that was that was super interesting jason selfie there in conversation with amelia abraham
Thanks for listening to this Future Positive podcast. If you'd like to support our show, share this episode with fellow futurist friends, and remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on Apple or wherever you get your pods. Your feedback really does help. If you want to know more about what we're doing in the world of carbon, head over to xprize.org, where you can learn more about the $100 million XPRIZE carbon removal. This podcast comes from XPRIZE, a global future positive movement of over 1 million people and rising, delivering radical breakthroughs for the benefit of humanity. Sign up to join us and support the movement that is making a change in the world 10 times faster. Whether it's lending a hand, a dollar, or an idea, we all have a role to play in making the future a better place. The only way to get the future we want is to create it ourselves. Learn more at xprize.org. See you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.